0: Welcome, everyone. This is Orphan Entertainment, the podcast dedicated to public domain media. I'm Christopher, and with me is the woman that once received flowers from European royalty when she was in burlesque.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I told you not to tell people about that. <laughs>
0: Ooh, sorry. Oh, oh.
1: <laughs> Just the royalty part, not the burlesque part. No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, not a burlesque person. Sorry, guys. this is disappointing. <laughs> But, and honestly, I have to think that maybe what she was saying was a little different than what we usually think of, but we'll get into that in a, in a minute.
0: Yeah, yep, Perhaps <laughs> we will, perhaps we will. A uh, little change up, I wanted to mention a few things uh, at the start of the show rather than the end, mainly because uh, I don't know if I've even ever mentioned this on the actual podcast. Have I ever mentioned our YouTube channel?
1: I don't think you have.
0: I don't think I have either. We had a YouTube channel where uh, a couple weeks before we record, I like to throw up the video that we are going to uh, cover for the month. And we've and been when you say throw some, up, I've been uploading.
2: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
1: I'll clarify that one. <laughs> Not everything we put up is that bad. <laughs> no, there's some really
0: good things. In fact, we have gotten a lot of really great activity on that YouTube channel. We have received many, many views. And some really awesome comments on that channel, and I want to thank everyone if you happen to have come over to the podcast from the YouTube channel. Thank you very much and thank you for all your comments and for uh, watching the videos we've had uh, there's been it's, it's funny picking out the, which ones you know they give you a account of how many times they've been viewed and it's, it's fun watching which ones are more popular. Mama Dracula is very popular for some reason
1: <laughs> it's the name.
0: I think it must just be the name. It's got like three times the views as everybody else, <laughs> except for uh, Quatermass in the Pit has a lot of views, but it's three hours long, so I'm guessing some of that is people just coming back to finish <laughs> where they <laughs> left off.
2: Maybe. You're like, oh,
1: I gotta take a.
0: I have to take a uh, rib. You gotta take a break. Yeah. <laughs> Eat
1: something.
0: But yeah, no, we've uh, we've had a lot of great activity, a lot of great comments there. So thank you very much. Definitely. Um, yeah, if you did uh, find the podcast from the YouTube, uh, also know that we are on Facebook. We have a group on the Facebook, and you can come join us there. And I wish we had the kind of activity on the Facebook group that we've been having on the YouTube channel. So <laughs> if by chance you guys aren't just Google Plus users or whatever, come on over to Facebook for us and join us on the, on the group there. And then, of course, you can always email us at orphanentertainment at gmail.com. You can just type out an email. Or if you'd like to record an MP3 or a wave file, you can send that to us. That'd be fantastic. We haven't
1: gotten one of those yet. We gotta come up with a prize. We have not. Yeah, we should come up with a prize for the first person to send us an actual wave file, like comment or something like that. That we
0: should. We should.
1: That we can share publicly. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) So yeah, so that'd be a lot of fun if you send us an MP3 or wave. I mean, we will play it on the on the show because there's no way in the world we wouldn't do that unless it was, you know not fit for uh, for public ears but <laughs> public <we're> consumption <laughs> yeah. uh, again just uh, everyone who has participated and uh, thank you very much and of course just everyone that's been downloading uh, honestly just thank you So it's greatly appreciated but that's all I wanted to say I just wanted to get that contact stuff out of, of the way and then uh, we, we will take a little break here and then we will get uh, into the subject of the month
2: C-3PO, Loki, Mace Windu, Dr. Bruce Banner, Captain Rex, Venom, Princess Leia, Jean Grey, Darth Maul, Nick Fury, Grand Moff Tarkin, Captain America, Lando Calrissian, Cyclops. What do all these characters have in common? Well, two of them were played by Samuel L. Jackson.
0: A couple of them were played by Hammer Films veterans Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee.
2: Come on, guys, you know this. Well, of course we do, Jessica. Just like Mickey Mouse and Captain Jack Sparrow, they're all now Disney characters. Hello, I'm Tracy of the Disney Indiana podcast, and my co-host Scott and I enjoy talking about all aspects of the House of Mouse, and that includes their newest properties, Marvel and LucasArts.
0: We also talk about Disney resorts, the cruise line, theme parks, and whatever else Mickey has to offer
2: which includes movies, Imagineering, video games, and collectibles. You'll never know what we'll decide to talk about.
0: So check us out at www.disneyindiana.com or do a search for the Disney Indiana Podcast on iTunes, because now we've got a lot more to talk about.
2: And don't forget about those other quote-unquote Disney characters like, well, Sully.
0: Fozzie Bear.
2: Buzz Lightyear.
0: Link Hogthrob. Doug. Doug. Janice,
2: Merida, Pepe, Bruce,
0: Ralph the Dog, Wally, the Disney Indiana podcast.
2: Even after five years, we're still miles away from the nearest Main Street, USA. We're not listed on the map, but you can join us at www.disneyindiana.com.
0: All right, this month we are going to look at a James Cagney film, maybe a little lesser known James Cagney film called The Time of Your Life from 1948. This film was adapted from a 1939 William Sarah, Saroyan. I don't even know S A R O Y A N.
1: Sauron. I'm Sauron. No, I'm kidding. That sounds like something from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> It is from Lord. Of the Rings. <laughs> no, it's Saroyan. I think is what it was, but uh, okay. Saroyan. That was it. It's Saroyan.
0: Saroyan. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. That makes much I'm more sense. Say William Saroyan. Sar- Saroyan. Yes, uh, play of the same title. Um, This film was a Cagney production. It was produced by Cagney's brother, William. Uh, The Cagneys acquired the film rights themselves in order to make the film. Unfortunately, the film was a bit of a failure at the box office, and it fell short of even recouping its $2 million budget. Oh, I say only $2 million, but I guess that was a lot more money in uh, 1948. Why did it? But I think, uh, from what I could tell, it only made about—it fell short by about half a million. So, again— doesn't seem like much, but in 1948, eh, it says a little, maybe a little something. hmm
1: Definitely. Well, and it's interesting because this is not a. I, this entire film takes place in one set, and so mm-hmm. it's almost a one-act play. It is for them to have spent that kind of money on it is kind of interesting.
0: Mm, yeah, very. Well, I think some of it may have been just. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where the money went. Uh, other than the fact that Nick's Saloon is a fantastic set. I mean, as you say, it takes place a set effectively in one set, but it's a great set. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick's Saloon is a place that I want to hang out. That was a cool part. Uh, yeah, I
1: totally agree <laughs> with that.
0: As it turns out, July is the birthday month of James Cagney. So as we are sort of celebrating James Cagney, I actually was trying to think of a great uh, July film or radio show or something and I always I always think of James Cagney and Yankee Doodle (laughs) Dandy which unfortunately is not public domain boy I wish it was that's a great film and so it made me think of James Cagney so I did some digging and I found this one so that's kind of what led me to it so in a way it's kind of a fourth of July uh, (laughs) kind of thing uh, Mr. Cagney, of course, was an actor and dancer known for his energetic performances, his distinctive vocal styles, and his deadpan comic timing. He may best be remembered for playing the uh, kind of tough guys in films like *The Public Enemy*, *Angels with Dirty Faces*, and *White Heat*. The Public Enemy. The Public Enemy. The public Enema. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <ew>.
1: Sorry. <laughs>
0: The Public Enemy became one of the most influential gangster movies of the period, and he became one of Hollywood's biggest stars and one of Warner Brothers' biggest contracts. In 1938, James Cagney received his first Academy Award for Best Actor. Um, oh, I'm sorry, his first Academy Award uh, Best Actor nomination for Angels with Dirty Faces. And in 1942, Cagney actually won the Oscar for his portrayal of George M. Cohen in Yankee Doodle Dandy. Which I don't blame them. That's a great film. <laughs> have you seen Yankee Doodle, Danny? No, Lydia. No, I'm just
1: you have? I'm just smiling and nodding. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. So it's, no, but now I know I have to see it. This is not a film I like think. A, so
0: yeah, it's a really fun film. It's one I stumbled across, and then I just couldn't stop watching. I just enjoyed it that much. Yeah. <laughs> a few of the other actors in the film, uh, William Bendix. We're not going to go into much. We went into him. Uh, he plays Nick, the bar owner. We discussed him when we looked at some old TV a few months back. He was, of course, Riley in The Life of Riley. Uh, let's see. Gene Cagney, who played Kitty Duval, is, by no coincidence, uh, William and, uh, and James Cagney's <laughs> sister. One person I wanted to bring up was uh, Wayne Morris, who played Tom in the film. Uh, he was uh, James Cagney's, uh, Joe's uh, sort of a... Right-hand, Lackey, yeah, right hand man. Lackey, Lackey and disciple, mm-hmm. maybe. He was real interesting. He was a uh, an actor who was kind of up and coming in uh, nineteen in the early forties, I think nineteen forty, uh, in a film called Flight Angels. He became very interested in flying, and when the war came around, it gave him an opportunity to join the navy and try to and become a flyer. He was actually kind of discouraged from trying to be a fighter pilot because they said he was too big and from the look of this guy, I can see where they were yeah, coming from. <laughs> I don't know if you've been in and around any, uh, uh, fighter planes, but there is not a lot of room for, uh, anybody, much less someone once they dress up in all the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the jackets and the coats and the, the gear, whatever. Yeah. yeah, all the gear. But no, he actually eventually did fly and he actually became a very good pilot. And, uh, Uh, he uh, was contributed in the sinking of a bunch of ships. He shot down a lot of uh, Japanese planes during the war, but unfortunately his uh, absence from acting, he spent about four years in the military. When he got back to acting, it kind of hurt his career and he can, I won't say he floundered, but he just kind of uh, kept his head above water. And, you know, he was kind of this up and coming actor. And after he got back to the war, he was just kind of this, uh, found himself in a, a lot of Westerns, B pictures, and never really reclaimed the uh, the fame that he probably could have if he had stayed out of the war.
1: Well, and that's interesting. I mean, the the social interest changes so much in a, a period like that, as far as who it, they view as being really heroic, you know, or the, or a main character kind of persona. So it's interesting, you know. True. It, it, the question that you could definitely ask would be, was it because he was gone, or was it because things changed?
0: Right, that's true. it's
1: a chicken or egg question,
0: I suppose. Exactly. But the only other person I really wanted to bring up uh, with any kind of detail is uh, Paul Draper, who was Harry, the comedian and dancer (laughs) that's in this film. Uh, Certainly a better dancer than he was comedian.
1: Yes, an exceptional dancer. I would say he, uh, at a minimum, rivals Fred Astaire. Um,
0: oh, he, he is amazing! He, Apparently, he was kind of an innovator in in, in dance. Yeah, he actually um, as a was a natural dancer. Uh, started with tap, and then he actually joined and uh, to learn some ballet, and then figured out that he could combine the two of them mm-hmm. to kind of create his own style, mm-hmm. uh, which made him incredibly popular. And he toured the world, and became extremely famous mm-hmm. for his. And you can Uh, for his dancing. Yeah, you
1: can really see why in this, too, because even though even though on the first viewing, I felt a little awkward about his scenes. The second time I watched it, I was really captivated by how incredibly talented he is, because he does. Mm -hmm. You know, there are definitely moments where he draws you into the dance because he's telling a story and he even says he is. You know, He says, oh, watch this. This is right. my, inter- you know, my impression of such and such. And, but the second time you watch it, I think – well, the second time I watched it, I really appreciate it even more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I agree with you. I don't know. I, I found him amazing. He really shows off a lot of his talents. I mean obviously Cagney was a dancer himself. So I have to think that you know he got this guy in there, and he must have just said, "Okay, we're going to give you a few moments to really show off." Mm -hmm. I mean, there's sections of the entire film that's just this guy dancing, and they really highlight his and his talent is just absolutely amazing. It really is. There are many other characters in this film that we will get into and we will discuss, but those are the few that I wanted to bring up and uh, and talk a little with a little bit of detail. So the time of your life. It opens with a you get to meet some of the cast, just about the same cast we just talked about in a uh, almost yearbook style. Right. <laughs> and we see a Joe who likes to whose hobby is people. Uh, Nick whose hobby is horses. Uh, Tom who is Joe's disciple and errand boy, and then of course Kitty Duvall, the woman with memories. I think is how it's put mm-hmm. in the book. Yeah. And then there's a small a page dedicated that says, this is a motion picture of many stories and plots, a living part of life itself. So we meet or we uh, enter Nick's Saloon and uh, Entertainment Emporium, I believe it is, with a little sign outside. It says, uh, come as you are, I believe it said.
1: Oh, come in, uh, come in and be yourself, I think is what it's
0: coming and be yourself. You are correct. Thank you. It's Nick's Pacific Street Saloon, which is in San Francisco. Uh, we get a, a brief intro with a little voiceover from Joe, played by James Cagney, who introduces Nick, another character who I think maybe only had one line in the entire film. That we know, we don't know his name; we just call him the Arab. <laughs> <laughs> and we meet Willie, who is a uh, what they call the a marble game wizard, uh, effectively a pinball. It wasn't exactly pinball, but it was like a pinball it game,
1: like a pinball machine, yeah.
0: It, it was it, almost like a pinball machine, yeah. but it didn't have any like <laughs> buttons for flippers that like I could tell, so I'm not sure how you do it or how you play that game, but he spent yeah. the, pretty much the entire film trying to beat the machine.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> and then, of course, Joe, who was, uh, again, James Cagney. Um, a newspaper boy comes in looking to see if he can sell some papers to some of the patrons. Joe asks him how many papers he's got left. Kid says he's got five. Joe hands him a buck and... Takes all five papers for him. And, of course, everyone wants a paper after Joe buys them. <laughs> and Joe calls for Tom. Uh, he's calling Tom. Doesn't know where Tom is because uh, Nick want, wants to know what he's screaming for Tom for. And Joe's like, I want a watermelon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom shows up. He was standing out. He was outside talking with some of the boys. And Joe, instead of, instead of the watermelon, asked him to uh, Oh, well, first he kind of grills him for not being around. What would he say? He was like, yeah, Joe, how did I save your life? Yeah. (laughs) Tom, 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 how did I save your life? Tom is so sweet. He is just this big, sweet, almost man-child-like. Marshmallow. How would you describe him? A marshmallow. (laughs) A marshmallow? Yeah,
1: he's totally a marshmallow. (laughs) He's just this fluffy, like, sweet, sticky thing. <laughs>
2: he is super, There's speedy, not a super lot of
1: substance, fun. but it sure is fun to poke. I don't know. Yes.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe a marshmallow. Either. I don't know. Just he just seems like a marshmallow. He's just a squishy guy without a lot of substance.
0: Yeah, I, I just had my notes that Tom is a quote unquote simple man. He is.
1: Uh. I actually I think that's very accurate. He's not a real uh, intellectual, and but he's very good natured.
0: Absolutely. Heart of gold. You could tell that the guy will just break his back for you if, you know, he, he thinks he's doing something nice for you. He'll he'll try everything he can to help. Mm-hmm. Well, Joe sends Tom out for an errand, which is apparently something he does a lot. And he sends him out actually for some toys. I love Tom. He's like, what are people going to think if I'm in there <laughs> buying toys? What am I going to tell them? <laughs> Joe hears up. He gives him a few boxes. Just go down to the Emporium, you know, go down around the corner, back room. He knows exactly where it is. Just buy me some toys that I can put out here on the table. Well, after Tom leaves, oh no, before Tom is in comes a very uh, beautiful young woman. Uh, this is, of course, we come to find out is Kitty Duvall, played by Gene Cagney. Tom is immediately smitten. He pretty much freezes in his tracks as soon as she walks in. He can't stop staring at her. <laughs> Uh, Joe strikes up a little conversation conversation with her. I kind of like the way he starts because she's sitting there. She's drinking a beer, just minding her own business, kind of staring off into space. And he's, he asks her, what's the dream? Mm-hmm. She's like, what? Like, What's the dream? What are you dreaming about? And that's how he strikes up his conversation with her. She is immediately defensive with him. She is really on edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we find out her, her name is uh, Kitty Duval, and she swears she was in burlesque. <laughs> well, Joe offers Kitty some champagne, uh, a champagne that Nick only carries because Joe asked for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nick cannot figure out why Joe even comes to his place. Apparently, Nick's place is in a less than perfect part of town. And so he can't figure out why this Joe, who comes in and apparently spends all day just sitting there drinking champagne, comes to his little dive and not one of the upscale joints. I really actually kind of enjoyed uh, Nick and Joe's relationship.
1: Yeah, I think it, it, it's interesting to me because, you know, you already ran through what James Cagney is famous for, and I always think of him as a gangster. And in this, in this mm-hmm. film, it's funny. He's known for, you know, dancing. He's known for his straight comedy, and he doesn't do any of that. I think that may have really contributed to why this wasn't a super, fo- uh, super popular film for him.
0: Um, no, absolutely. But, yeah. but
1: the character he plays, I really like. He is just, yeah. you can tell, he's just this guy. He goes to the same bar every day. He sits down. He has, you know, a bottle of champagne, just like Nick says. And he just watches things and interacts.
0: Uh-huh. And
1: he's not trying to make anything happen and he's not worried about anything. Just if, some, if something catches his fancy, then, you know, he does it or. He plays with it or he tries to figure it out, and then when he's done with that, he just moves on to the next thing. And I just – I love his laid-back persona in this.
0: Yeah, very much. Yeah, I I think I read somewhere too that they – the critics and audiences, I think that's exactly why it failed is because they were looking for James Cagney to be the James Cagney that they knew. And I got the impression this is sort of a – uh, I don't know. Is "Vanity Project" the right word, the term to use? Probably.
1: It, it, it was. It was, I mean, it was
0: a play he was interested in. He wanted the. He wanted to get the rights for the film. He wanted to do this film. I think it was just something that he really enjoyed. And he just wanted to do, mm-hmm. and I, I think maybe it was one of these things that he was going to do. And if people liked it, great. But I don't know. I, maybe it just didn't matter. I, you know, obviously he's not here to ask. So.
1: <laughs> right. Well, there's a lot of. It's funny. It's it's almost done like a sketch piece, where you have just different little bits and pieces of stories that come in and go out. You know, vignettes, and right. Yeah, vignettes, and and they intertwine with each other. So you don't have. It's not like Saturday Night Live where something you know cuts and that's the end of it, and then they go on to the next one. You know, things come in and out, and it kind of flows that way. But um, but there definitely is a lot of. It's a character study about mm-hmm. many different types of people. And it, it has some depth in some of the conversations that you're not looking for, you know, and I, I started watching it. And, you know, up to this point, there are people that just kind of start coming in, you know, and I think pretty quickly after Kitty comes in, then, um, you know, when Tom goes out, I think the dance, the dancer, I'm sorry, I forget his name. Yeah, here he comes in. And then, like, as people start coming in, I start thinking, oh, okay, this is one of those movies where people get introduced slowly, but as it all builds up, then it might makes more sense. And then at the end, it's this cohesive thing, and they all work together to, you know, resolve something. And that wasn't really what happened. <laughs> but, uh, but you definitely are, you definitely see a lot of very different people kind of like a snapshot in their lives of this little moment in this little place where something changes for almost all of them individually, you know? Mm. And it's interesting because the two static characters in this really, and I'm, I'm kind of far down our conversation, not on purpose, but but <laughs> the two, the two people that just kind of stay consistent through the whole thing are, uh, Nick and Joe,
0: right?
1: They're the only ones. Everybody else has some kind of a major change happen. So it's interesting. Uh, I I think, I think, I can understand why this story or the series of stories would have captured his attention because there are a few lines in it specifically that really grabbed me, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and a few few moments where you just are like, "Wow, that's that's much more profound than I kind of expected this to
0: be." Well, Kitty and Joe sit at the table sipping champagne, and they, they they discuss champagne and dreams of home she real she reveals her real name uh you know her real name isn't kitty duval it's katerina koronofsky she's polish <laughs> uh, and she definitely has some baggage uh she i think they they had a family that was a farm but they lost the farm and moved to chicago and then her brother got in, in into some shady dealings and she tried to help and some guys killed her brother for whatever it was, whatever he was involved in that she didn't even know what was going on. Uh, that, that that led her to San Francisco. So, yeah, Kitty Duvall is a woman with a little bit of a past.
1: And it's interesting. It, when she first comes in, they kind of make a reference to it. And then indirectly, Nick calls her a B-girl. Mm-hmm. And I had to look that up because you know me. I'm glad
0: you did because <laughs> as soon as you said that I'm thinking oh damn I meant to look, I meant that, up. To look
1: that up exactly <laughs> well what at, that came from and it it's kind of just a, it's just period slang but the California Penal Code 647b was against prostitution so they started uh-huh. calling the women B girls because it was you know section B in this um in this statute mm-hmm. and so they and so it really became more of a thing especially in like the um, gangster and detective novels of the time they would refer to them as b-girls it was like a nice way of calling them a prostitute so it's interesting because i I thought they were saying she was you know obviously you get the inflection or the inference that she's doing some kind of sketchy job but once you really understand no they're really actually calling her a prostitute her very vehement reaction makes a lot more sense
0: yeah, I kind of had the feeling that that's what that was going for, but I didn't. Right. wasn't I but, wasn't exactly sure. So I'm glad you looked up. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, I thought. Well, you know, it could be a call girl, or it could be, you know, like a dance hall girl, or mm-hmm. you know, I thought. Well, and I honestly at first I was thinking, you know, A list, B list kind of. Thing. Yeah, if it was New
0: York, I was thinking. <laughs> oh, if it was New York, it'd be like Broadway B girl. That would be like maybe she's in the chorus and exactly. never, and never, uh, never on. You know, in in the, in the limelight. Yeah.
1: Exactly, but no, it it actually uh, it's a little bit more lurid than that.
0: Yes, very much. Well, a couple more characters wander into Nick's. Uh, we get the love-struck Dudley. He was cute. He comes storming in and grabbing the phone and and dying, trying to dial up uh, his the love of his life. Who? Uh, let's see, what was it? Elsie, I believe it was. I believe so. Yep. And then the uh, the dancer comedian Harry taps his way into the uh, into the bar. Uh, he can dance, but his comedy leaves a little bit to desired. We'll uh, we'll get into life we because he gets into exactly what his comedy is supposed to be a little further on, and we'll get into that then when we get there. Uh, yeah, Dudley though is kind of kind of takes center stage and dials up the, his love Elsie, right? But he gets the wrong number, and he, and he makes a date with the woman on the other end of the phone. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, this is it, this is the 1948 version of meeting somebody online.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I
1: mean, it was like he went on a dating site and then he, you know, talked to somebody. Oh yeah, let's just let's just meet up down at this bar. That was
0: Yeah. yeah. I got a kick out of um he's talking to this woman. He has no idea what she looks like, no idea who she is. He just, "Oh, well, what's your name?" <laughs> he starts talking to her. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, you want to come down?" You know, "Yeah, I'm yeah, in not- on uh, Pacific." <laughs> oh, what number? I don't know. <laughs> Hey Nick, what what what's the address? He's he's like seven Pacific. You cad. Cad. I love that. (laughs) He's like what? Like what? I've been taking things really seriously (laughs) lately. So much from this
1: from (laughs) Elsie. Yeah.
0: Oh, that was funny. Yeah. Well, while uh, Harry is trying to show his skills, meanwhile, you know, on on the floor, uh, another man comes into the bar looking looking for work, uh, and. He's just uh, saying, you know, you got anything I can do? I can, you know, I can run errands. I can do dishes. I can, I can clean up. And Nick tries to talk to him. I, I think Nick immediately realizes that this guy is hard on his luck. But the guy's like, oh, I don't, I don't want any charity. I can, I can work. And, and Nick asks him, he's like, no, are you hungry? Do you need any food? And he's like, I, I don't need any food. And then he promptly passes out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, not hungry, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so and this Nick,
1: is where you kind of figure out Nick. At first, seems a bit gruff, but this is where you know he grabs this guy and takes him in the back and gets him some food, and you kind of realize, okay, this he's you know he's a little bit tough, but he's also really genuinely a good guy.
0: Yeah, and it, it should, and we should mention too. This is a um, this is a black man that's come in, mm. um, the only black man in the cast, as yeah. a matter of fact. And it was you know the late forties and everything, so again, a, a different time and a, a different world. So yeah, Nick is truly. He is a good man.
2: Hmm.
1: Well, I love I love this. This he honestly is. This is one of my favorite characters because you know he comes in and he says, "I don't want any handouts. I just want to, you know, I want a job. I just want to be able to get by." You know, and as his character progresses and what happens with him, it, I love it. I just love
0: it. Oh, yep. Yeah. No, he is really cool. Well, Harry's still trying to to talk to Nick, and Nick tries to set him straight. Nick is a really good guy, but he's also an honest man. (laughs) He tries to set him straight. He's like, you're not funny.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and he's not. That's what's funny about the whole thing is that really he's not funny. You know, he's a fantastic dancer, but he's not what I would term a comedian.
3: Hey, hey, what do you think you're doing? That's a new step. I'm a natural-born dancer and comedian. Look, you're no good. Why don't you try some other kind of work? Why don't you get a job in a store selling something? What do you want to be a comedian for? I've got something for the world, and they haven't got sense enough to let me give it to them. Hey, Nick, you got to see my act. If I don't wow them, okay, I'll go home. If Vaudeville wasn't dead, a, a guy like me would have a chance. Listen, you're not funny. You're a sad young guy. What do you want to try to be funny for? You break everybody's heart. What's there for you to be funny about? You've been poor all your life, haven't you? I've been poor, all right, but don't forget that some things count more than some other things. What counts more, for instance, than what else, for instance? I think talent, for instance, counts more than money, for instance, that's what. And I've got talent. I get new ideas night and day. Everything comes natural to me. I've got style.
0: So he's still tapping around. Or actually, I guess while he's talking to Nick, Wesley comes out back out from the... Wesley is the man that comes in earlier about faints from hunger. Yes. Uh, he comes wandering back out of the kitchen, finishing up some bread and, uh, and, and soup that the, the cook gave him, and uh, notices the piano at the end of the, of the bar, and he starts, uh, turns out he's a really good piano player, he's and him and top Harry, top. Uh, yeah, Harry, he, he and Harry uh, s- uh, strike up a really quick and, and great partnership between the two, <laughs> as he starts playing, and Harry starts tapping.
1: Yeah, and there's no, I love it, too, because this interaction, the the one uh, Wesley just kind of starts playing a little bit and Harry sees him and he kind of lights up and he does a little bit of a dance. And then Wesley looks at him and he just bursts into smile. And it's like, ah, there you go. They, they, They just recognize the kindred spirit in each other. But I love it. They don't say anything to each other. They just immediately pick up that they can work well together.
0: Exactly. Well, while this is going on, Nick is back behind the bar and he kind of ponders to himself the characters that have come into this place and why.
3: We're gonna dive in Frisco. Guy arrives, makes me stock up with champagne. B girls come in, holler at me that they're ladies. Talent comes in, begs me for a chance to show itself. Even society people come in here once in a while. I don't know what for. Maybe it's the location. Maybe it's my personality maybe they can't feel at home anywhere else
0: yeah. kenny tries to get joe to dance uh but he declines he says he can't dance <laughs> i love that james cagney saying i can't dance
1: uh, yes and he <laughs> says it more than once
0: in this yeah he does well tom returns with joe's toys and uh joe talks to he's like tom hey do you know how to dance and tom mentions that he, he i think he won like third prize in some school dance or something contest.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a like, "Well, you know,
0: go ahead and uh, dance with Kitty. You know, she's, oh, you know, she's queen of a stage. You should dance with her. So Joe, uh, Tom and, and, and Kitty dance, uh, together.
1: I love this, this moment here to see their dancing. And he goes, Kitty, and Joe goes, "Don't talk to Stan." <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and he goes,
0: "Why, why, why he's Stamp. sitting on the table playing with his uh, little wind up penguin or something?" I think that's cute. Oh, this, this is great. This is one of these um, one of these Joe moments that I really love. Dudley's date arrives. The like, date, quote unquote, the woman that he talked to on the phone, mm-hmm. it's not exactly what she expected. She comes in, and it, Joe's sitting there playing with it, and he kind of, you know, Kitty and Tom are dancing and. So, Joe, to this wind-up toy that's bounced on the table, he kind of, like, almost nudges it. <laughs> like, like, hey, pay attention. Look what's going on over here. <laughs> I love it. Just, I don't know. I just I got a kick out
1: it. I missed it. I, Both times I watched it, I was – I kind of – actually, what I noticed was when she comes in, she comes down the stairs, and, you know, she sees the the couple dancing over in the corner, and then uh, Harry's dancing all around and, like, Parody is like bumping into her and like you know, and sweeping his dance partner, which of course he doesn't have a dance partner. Off right. in another direction, but it, his again, his interactions are hit all through dance are so interesting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but she comes in and she's just like has no clue what's going on. This is the weirdest place she's been in probably all week.
0: <laughs> this woman is a little bit of an older woman. She comes down to the bar to to talk to Nick, and she says that she's looking for this uh, Dudley Rowell, who she talked to on the phone, and.
3: Will it be, lady. Oh,
1: I'm looking for the young man I talked to on the telephone. Dudley Raoul
3: Bostwick. Dudley Raoul Bostwick? Yes. Oh, yeah. Bostwick. Oh. Yes, Bostwick. Oh, Bostwick? Yes. You no, know, uh, he left here 10 minutes ago. Oh, no. You mean Dudley Bostwick, that old man in the wheelchair. Wheelchair? Yeah, Dudley Bostwick. That's what he said his name was. He said to tell you not to wait. Well. Are you sure you're not Dudley Raoul Boswick? For me? Yes. Well, my name is Roger Tenafranci. I'm a French-Canadian. I never saw a poor fellow before. It seems to be your
2: voice is the same voice I heard on the telephone.
3: a well, coincidence, an accident, a quirk of fate, one of those things dismissed the thought. They wheeled him out of here 10 minutes ago.
2: He said he was going to commit suicide. I was
3: only trying to be of help. Be of help? What kind of help could she be of? Oh, Elsie. Oh, Elsie. She won't come to the phone, but I keep trying anyway. She'll come to the phone one of these days.
0: If there's anything to true love at all, she'll come to the phone. Yeah, he left. The old guy in the wheelchair? Yeah, he left about 10 <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> He's a little a little rude. Dudley's a little... He, I think Nick's right. He, Dudley's a little bit of a cat. in <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, one of the only moments not in the bar, uh, Nick heads next door to put a bet on a horse race yes. and to watch the actual race. I guess he'd already placed a bet. Uh, so he goes over to to watch the race.
1: Well, I love this. See, this is... It, it, at some point <laughs> at some point Joe says, "Nick, when you go over there, put put these 10 dollars on Precious Time." he says, "What do you want to bet on Precious Time for?" And he says, "Oh, you know, you, you heard him, Tom. Tom said the Precious Time is going to win by 10 lengths." And he says, "Oh, that's just ridiculous. How do you figure that?" And he says, "He's in love, ain't he?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That explains everything. A guy who's in love cannot be wrong. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: And of course Precious Time left. is not the horse Nick has his money on at all.
1: No, he's going for Gallant Knight.
0: Exactly. Of course,
1: I would remember the horses' names because. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm just horse obsessed.
0: <laughs> so he goes over to watch the race, and he watches, and of course, yeah, Precious Time is a long shot and everything, but it turns out, yeah, it wins. <laughs> and yeah. Joe walks away with a cool eighty bucks for Eight that ten
1: bucks. yep. And I love what he says too when he goes to place it. You know, Joe says, "Put ten dollars on Precious Time." But he says to show, and he says, "On the no, on the nose." Which means, you know, is he gonna, he's either going to place in the top three, which is much, much lower odds, or he's going to win. Right. You know, so he says, no, put it in to win. And, and Nick's like, yeah, you're throwing your money away. And then he, Yeah, it's you know, your money, down. whatever. Yeah, and then Nick says, uh, how much did I, or when, he, when Nick comes back, Joe says, how much did I win? Nick goes, how do you figure you won? <laughs> and, and I guess this is when he says, well, <laughs> yep. Tom said it was going to win, and right. he's in
0: love, so of course he won, you know. Exactly. Eddie does. So he gives him gives him his eighty bucks. And I like the discussion they have. And Joe tells like, you know, you are never gonna win. How how much did you bet? And he's like fifty cents. <laughs> he's like, that's why you're never gonna win.
1: <laughs> no, I love. He says. He says. He says, Nick, you should never gamble. And Nick says, Why not? And he goes, Because you only bet fifty cents. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's like, You have you have no faith.
0: <laughs> you, you have the faith of a flea. Yeah. <laughs>
1: hmm. I love that though. You know, he's like he's like if you're gonna bet, bet big. You know, I just I love that that whole. Wh- exactly. What's the point of betting if you're not even going to bet much money? It's not going <laughs> to exactly. change your life, so why bother?
0: Well, Harry and Wesley, of course, are still playing and dancing. And Nick tells him to hang around for the night. They can keep they can keep playing and keep dancing. He asks Wesley, "Can can you do that again tonight? Can you play that again tonight?" He's like, "Well, I'm not sure, but I can play something."
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> of course. After this incredible music that he's been playing this whole time on the piano
0: exactly yeah well now in walks freddie blick blick is a nasty sort uh maybe a mob some sort of uh he definitely if, if he's a not stool running
1: pigeon that's what they call him in the in the beginning uh they call him something and a stool pigeon
0: okay yeah
3: hello nick What do you want to come here for? You're too big a man for a little hockey talk. Ah, Nick. Important people never come here. I don't drink. What do you want? Nothing much. Nothing at all. You know me, friendly Freddy. Yeah, I know you. Anything to make a dollar for Freddy. Since when do you have B-girls working this trap, Nick? I don't have none of that, and you know it. Nobody gets a cut on any drinks sold here. I see. Who was the blonde? What blonde? Just went out with a big guy. How do I know who she was? Kitty. Kitty something. Kitty Duval. Duval? That don't sound right. Was she ever in Chicago? Was she ever in Chicago? Maybe. Maybe she was in Hawaii. Maybe she was in San I don't ask for geography with every 10-cent beer I sell. If she was in Chicago, there'll be a record on her. What are you driving at? Don't get excited, Nick. It's bad for you. I'll worry about me. You worry about you. I am, Nick. I'm going to need a couple of hundred at the end of this week. Yeah, I don't know where you're going to get it from. I think I do. Listen, I got no use for you or anybody like you. I don't like your personality. I'll be back tonight. Do yourself a big favor. Don't come back tonight. Don't get into trouble,
1: Nick.
0: Now the um, scene cuts, and we get to what we assume is going to be a little later in the day. And there's a woman that's sitting in a booth. And uh, Joe looks over. You, 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 the scene opens up with uh, giant monograms on this woman's purse, uh, which I think was an M and an L. And Joe uh, tries to guess her name based on the uh, the initials that are on the bag.
3: Madge Lauberwitz? This what what? Is the name Mabel Lepescu? What name? The name the initials M.L. stand for. The initials on your bag. No. Margie Longworthy? No. Midge Lowry?
0: Well, it turns out her name is Mary, and uh, Joe tells a a story about a woman he once loved who was named Mary, and it's it's a bit of a sad story, and this is just one of the many little odd scenes that are in this film, and they almost have the conversation between Joe and Mary, it's almost like they have an entire sort of a relationship or an affair just within a few minutes and then you know it begins. There's this romantic. It's this middle, and then they break up. <laughs> yeah. Know? All all in the course of this of a few sentences between the two of them. It was really, it was really odd. It was it was sweet. It was interesting, and you you wonder if there was more to it. Are you meant to read more into it, or if it was just this odd conversation between two strangers? Yeah.
1: And this is one of those scenes that I I admit I. I, when you said you were curious to know what I thought of this movie, I this is one of them that I definitely thought about one of those scenes mm-hmm. because I I still can't decide. I almost want to say that is the Mary he was talking about. Right. I mean, just from their interaction, and especially at the end when it's all kind of it's all kind of an inside joke, and they both know that nothing's you know it's never going to go anywhere you almost feel like they've both been there before. And and I don't know if it's that they've each been there before. And so they understand, or if it's that they've both together been in this situation before I, I am really inclined from her reactions and from, I love his response. You know, she, she says, Oh, I'm waiting for my husband, of course. And he says, well, what does he do? And she says, he's a lawyer. And he says, Oh yeah, he's a good guy. I really like him. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, and you're like, I, I don't, it's you're right. It's so quirky, and I would love to know more of the history behind it. But it's just one of those, like you know, it's like the movie says at the beginning. It's just a little clip out of life.
0: Exactly. I do like the part where it all, and it catches you a little bit by surprise because Joe asks, "Would you like to dance?" And yeah. she's like, "Sure." And he stands up. and He's like, "I'm sorry. I I, I can't dance. I never yeah. learned how. <laughs> I don't dance. I, I only asked because I assumed I, I figured you wouldn't want to." <laughs> she's and then she says. It's okay. I don't really like to dance either. I don't really care to dance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's interesting. It's like, you know, that polite that polite era, you know, where it was, you know, if a lady would like to dance, you dance with her. But then, yeah, you secretly hope that she's going to say no. But then the same for the lady. She would say yes, even if she didn't really want to.
0: Mm-hmm. There was actually some really good lines from Joe in this scene too. He mentioned mm-hmm. something about um, – Oh, he, he doesn't like to, to dance. He doesn't even like to walk. And she's like, because yeah. of the champagne? <laughs> yes. No, no, all the time. I have never got anywhere by walking.
1: <laughs> yeah, there, and there's so much. We haven't really been going through a whole lot of quotes, you know, through this. No. But there, there are a lot of, they're not like funny, snappy lines like a lot of the time we call out these in these uh, reviews
2: they're deep fake lines
1: they are there's you know there are a few of them where he says like oh and you know in really mild humor like at one point uh you know oh nick nick says what do you want tom for and he says i want him to get me a watermelon and he says what do you want you want love you want money whatever right. it is you're not going to find it reading the racing form and nick says i like to keep abreast of the time you know? right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really re- related to it but there's a moment too where. Uh, where uh Joe, I don't recall who he's talking to. Oh, he's talking to Nick, and he says, "Oh, do you believe all those dreams or whatever? And he says, "I believe dreams sooner than statistics mm-hmm. you know there and there are little moments in it, like you know the the whole champagne interaction, and then when he's talking about you know when he loved this girl mary he he always thought about the kids they'd have, and right, he loved yeah. the third kid, the first two were okay, they were smart and good looking, but the there was third a third kid, dumb one, yeah, he kind of <laughs> dumb and a little goofy looking and and when when I found out she was engaged, I didn't mind the first two kids so much. But I, but I was really sad about the third kid. You know, yeah. if there's things like I, I don't know, it's just the, it's the way our brains work, but that we don't usually have those conversations out loud with other people.
0: Well, the paper boy shows back up and Joe buys his 11 papers that he has in his hand. <laughs> I think the kids uh, learn. Well, the kid learns quick.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Smart kid.
0: (laughs) And the boy hits up Nick, wants to know if he has the need for a, what is he, a a lyrical singer. A lyric
1: tenor. (laughs) A lyric tenor. (laughs) Yep. Hey, mister, you own this place?
3: I own this place. Can you use a great lyric tenor? A great lyric tenor. Who? Me. I'm getting too old to sell papers. I don't want to holler headlines all the time. I want to sing. You can use a great lyric tenor, can't you? What's lyric about you? My voice. Oh. All right, sing. When Irish eyes are smiling, sure it's like a Not bad. Let me hear you again about a year from now. Honest? Did you like it too, mister? Very lyric. What part of Greece? Salonica. Lyric, huh? That's what I thought. Don't wait a year. Come back a little later with some papers. You're a great singer. Thanks.
2: Thanks, mister.
1: it's just this incredible scene is I think that's part of what's so charming about this whole story. Every person that comes in here, they're all hard on, on, they're all hard on their luck. And every last one of them has some incredible feature about
0: them. this kid is like maybe 11. He's like, I'm getting too old to sell papers. I got to think of my future.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then he busts out and you know, when Irish eyes are smiling, And and I love the part in this, you know, he's like almost to the end of the song and Joe says, are you Irish? And he says, no, I'm Greek. And then he finishes (laughs) the song, (laughs) but just beautifully, you know, just like, you know, just like Wesley coming in and playing the piano or or Harry, uh, Harry, Harry, Harry Harry. Harry coming in and dancing, you know, they, and it's just, every one of them comes in and they like just have nothing to their names, but they have these incredible talents. So interesting.
0: Well, like I said, he, he just amazes the two of them. I think Joe. I, it, unfortunately, the print that I could I couldn't tell what Joe had written. He wrote something down. I figured down to it, show it to out. Nick. Did you? Yeah. yeah he yeah, starts I off. It out.
1: As soon as the kid starts singing, he he looks at him and he mouths "hire him," and ah. and Nick is like, "I what?" And so he writes down, and I think he writes "hire him" on the envelope gotcha. or the piece of paper, and uh, Nick replies, it shakes his head and he says – Too to, like, small.'" Too small, but right. then he holds up. I think what he holds up is a statute that says you can't hire anyone under a certain age.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's like and, 21 or something. You know,
1: and couple. Joe is like, oh, oh, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, but then uh, Nick, after the kids stop, stop singing, he says, "Well, come back next year. You know, come right. back in a year." And the kids <laughs> like, "Really? Okay." He's right. like so excited in a year he can come back to this place. <laughs> and then Joe says, you know, being his kind self. And it's one of the things that he mentions when he's talking to Mary he says, I spent the last three years seeing if I could live life the way that I thought you know in in the way I think is I, I forget the word he uses it's not honorable but but basically the right way to live
2: mm-hmm. by
1: not by by not doing anything that could hurt anybody else right you know and so uh, and he does the same thing for this kid he says, hey don't don't wait that long come back tonight with more papers right he's just like. <laughs> good guy that just has the money to be nice to people, and he is.
0: Well, the phone rings in the bar, and Nick answers, uh, it's for Dudley, it's Elsie. <laughs> and uh, apparently Elsie's going to come down, we're going to meet Elsie. Harry tries a new routine on a couple of the patrons of the bar. It was a, a guy, and a, one. Of the, well, there was a police officer, police sergeant, and then another guy looks like he could have been a dock worker or something like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I go on in front of an audience for the first time in my life tonight. They'll be delighted. Hey, where'd you learn to dance? I never took a lesson in my life. I'm a natural-born dancer. Really? And comedian, too. You can make people laugh? Well, I can be funny, but they won't laugh. Well, that's odd. Why not? I don't know why. They just won't laugh. Would you care to be funny now? I'd like to try out a new monologue I've been thinking about. Please do, and if it's funny, I promise you I'll roar with laughter. All right. (laughs) This is it. I'm up at Sharkey's on 3rd Street. It's a quarter to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Wednesday, the 11th of October. What I've got is a headache and a 1918 nickel. What I want is a cup of coffee. If I buy a cup of coffee with a nickel, I've got to walk home. I've got an 8-4 problem. I'm thinking it over, like I always do. What happened? My ear aches! My ear! What do I do? I get confused. I go out and buy the morning paper. What do I want with the morning paper? What I need is a cup of coffee and a good used car. Maybe the headline is about me. I take a quick look. No! The headline is not about me. It's about a monster 7,000 miles away. I'm here. Who's a monster? Who's behind the eight ball? I turn around. Everybody's behind the eight ball. Son, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard, or seen for that matter. Then why don't you laugh? Well, I don't know yet. I'm always getting funny ideas that nobody will laugh at. It may be that you stumbled headlong into some new kind of humor. But what good is it if it doesn't make anybody laugh? Well, there are kinds of laughter, son. I must say in all truth that I am laughing, although not out loud. I want to hear people laugh. Out loud!
0: They may catch on, son. Give them time. Give them time. It's really—it's yep. <laughs> a fun scene. It's fun scene because Harry just—he feels like there's something inside of him, and he has to get it out. He just doesn't understand why he can't get people to understand. You know that this stuff is really funny. Yeah. I felt sorry for Harry. He's a really great dancer. I felt sorry for him though. <laughs> <laughs> Tom comes back to the bar. He's been apparently spending the day with Kitty. Uh, apparently Kitty's up in her room crying, and Tom just can't get her to stop. He doesn't – he can't – nothing he does, and he just can't stand to hear her crying. And it's just realized nice, Again, I know there's little conversations with Joe, and Joe asks, he's like, do you want to marry her? And Tom's like, yeah, I guess I do.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Sure, exactly. spend a day. Perfect.
1: <laughs> How it works for me. No. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, No. Well Joe originally
0: <laughs> says that uh you know what let her cry he needs to, she needs to get it out and set herself straight, so just let her cry for a while and uh go run another errand for me. He sends out for uh to go down and buy a bunch of maps, you know world maps, maps of oceans, rivers, whatever oh and get a go to the pawn shop and buy a gun <laughs> it's nineteen forty eight people. <laughs> And then I think the last of our cast of characters, the last of the important cast of characters comes in is the Cowboy. I, he's credited as uh, Kit Carson. And I think sometimes <laughs> at, at one point uh, someone might call him Murphy. So I just have him as Kit, quote-unquote, Murphy Carson.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he is, he is, talk about a character in a film. <laughs> he is, he is hilarious. a character.
3: I don't suppose you ever fell in love with a midget weighing 39 pounds. Can't say I have. Down in Gallup, 20 years ago, fellow named Rufus Jenkins came to town with six white horses and two black ones. Said he wanted a man to break the horses for him. Had a meeting down at Parker's Mercantile Store and finally it came to blows. Bashed a brass cospador over his head and ran away to Mexico. But he didn't die. <laughs> Couldn't speak a word. Took up with a cattle breeder named Diago. Educated in California. Spoke the language better than you and me. Said, Murph, your job was to feed them prize bulls. I said, fine. fine. What'll I feed them? Said, hay, lettuce, salt, beer, and aspirin. (laughs) Came to blows two days later. Over an accordion he claimed I stole. I had borrowed it. Busted the accordion over his head. Ruined the finest accordion I ever saw. Grabbed a horse and rode back across the border. Texas. Got to talking with a fellow that looked honest. Turned out to be a ranger that was looking for me. Yeah, you were saying uh, a 39-pound midget. Will I ever forget that lady? (laughs) Will I ever get over that Amazon of small proportions? Will you? If I live to be 60. 60? You look more than 60 now. No, son. That's trouble showing in my face trouble and complications oh that accounts for it then well go ahead tell me
2: more
1: and i love (laughs) his stories they're so over the top and at some point he starts talking about you don't remember the hurricane of oh gosh where was it
0: 1918
1: yeah of hackensack Hackensack, new jersey
0: Jersey. (laughs) (laughs)
1: but but this is so interesting because the second time i watched it of course What he's talking about is just captivating. I love it because every time he gets to the end of his story, he mentions the lead into another one. And, of course, Joe gets him another drink. So he downs that drink and he launches into a completely different story.
0: Yeah, yeah. He he starts telling a bunch of stories and finishes none of them.
1: (laughs) With different stories. He's a regular Scheherazade.
0: He he really is is. Incredible. He is so much fun.
1: The lines that they have are so funny. He's, you know, talking about uh, he's like, wow, well, when I'm sixty years old, I'll get over it. He says, "You look older than sixty now." And he says, "Oh, that's the trouble showing in my face." Yeah. <laughs> he's all suddenly serious. Oh, well, that'll do it. I love the part too where he says, "Oh, have you ever, you ever uh, herded cattle on a bicycle?" Yeah. Well, where did you herd cattle on a bicycle? Oh, in Hackensack, New Jersey. They don't herd cattle in Hackensack. Well, they don't anymore. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I love uh, that so much. tells a story
0: yeah. about walking up to a house. This old man, you know, answers the door, and he's got the big sawed-off shotgun. And, and <laughs> If I told you this man turned out to be my grandfather, would you believe me? And Joe says, I think I just might. <laughs> well, it turns out he wasn't, but it would have been darn po- poetic, <laughs> it poetic if it had poetic.
1: been. I love it, too. He says, that we're all, you know, this barbed wire, this huge house, and all these dogs, and I walked right through them. Growing older every second. <laughs> he has these little one way punchlines.
0: And at one point, he, he's like, you know, he does this sort of walk, and at one point, he actually kicks oh, off an imaginary dog.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's what I love about it. So all of the stuff he's saying is funny. The second time I watched it, the rest of the people in the room, every time he starts talking, they just gather around. Uh-huh. they just can't resist it. I love it because it's so subtle. But it's just like whenever he's talking, people are just drawn to him. You can see it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that brings us to about an hour into the film, and that, now that we've, I mean, we've pretty much introduced all the main characters and gave you a taste of this thing. I think that's where I want to leave it, uh, as far as the synopsis goes. I mean, there's there's scenes that come up that are just as good. The one scene, I, I one one of Joe's errands is to send Tom out for. Uh, Get some gum, all kinds of gum, just whatever. <laughs> like licorice? Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely licorice. Juicy <laughs> fruit? Oh fruity? No. Tootie fruity? Do they yeah. make tootie fruity? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the best. Well, we're definitely tootie fruity. I oh, want some jelly beans. And when Tom comes back with all this gum, he's like, you know, Joe's like, he says, I've always wondered how much gum I can put in my mouth at one time. <laughs> and he and Tom sit down and have a contest, and it's just really great and natural. I can't think of any other word but say it's natural because they start putting yeah. the gum in their mouth and uh, and uh, Kit Carson says It's like oh I'll be the I'll be the referee. R- he sits yeah. down and he says oh okay that's two and and, and you just see uh a Joe put up three fingers no that was three you know and it's just <laughs> really natural like it's really these three four people sitting around a table doing this thing mm-hmm. and then I love at the end you know they both got these uh, mouths full of gum they're chewing this gum. And then they need to use the phone. And Tom's trying to talk on the phone with his mouth full of gum. Yep. And Joe comes up to talk on the phone. He takes the gum out and he throws it down in the spittoon. And you hear a tunk. And Tom takes the gum and then you hear a ka-tunk. And Tom's like, and Joe's like, oh, you win.
2: You win, <laughs> yep.
0: It's oh, just man. really cute. It's just a really neat scene. It just feels so natural. Just like these people. That's, it's, it's, just, it's almost like, oh, we did this and it happened to be a camera rolling you yeah.
1: know. <laughs> well, it's just one of those, it's those weird things that you do with your friends where you're like, oh, it's like chubby bunny, you know? <laughs> and no, you would never expect somebody to film that. Well, now I suppose you would, but back yeah. in the day, you know, you never would have expected to see that just casual kind of interaction and adults not trying very hard to be proper. You know, it's just, it just, like I said, it just flows. It just flows in and out and it doesn't feel structured, but it all works together very perfectly.
0: Yeah. I think uh, why this is going on, I think another couple had come in and sat at the bar. Yeah. And they were a real, <laughs> well-to-do couple. And apparently yep. you got the impression that maybe she's trying to throw a little spark back in the relationship. So yes. she, wanted to go to a, she wanted to go to the seedier part of town. and, Let's and go
1: have an adventure. You an could adventure. just tell she would have said. That's what I would do. Be like, let's go have an adventure. okay, what do you want to do? I, let's go somewhere creepy. <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly. Let's go <laughs> so see they're some just crazy. Sitting people. There, so they're just sitting there and watching the stuff that goes on in this bar. <laughs> and they're just amazed. You know, it was really cool. And I thought I I couldn't believe it. When I sat there, I saw her, he's like, Well, she looks familiar. It's like, wait, oh, yeah. she sounds familiar. It's, it's Natalie I think it's her name. Natalie Schaefer. She's uh, Mrs. Howell from Gilligan's Mrs. Howell. Island.
1: Howell, <laughs> yeah. So Mrs. Howell is sitting in there with, you know her husband, who's her first not, husband, yeah, <laughs> not the millionaire's <laughs> wife. Actually, she probably is the millionaire's wife. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, it it is it's Mrs. How.
0: Yeah, at least she sits there with her husband and watches as uh, Joe tells Tom, "Like, oh, and take this gun. Uh, give it to somebody. It looks like they need it."
1: Right? Who do I? Who? Who I, What does he say? Like a. a well, stick how up do guy. I he needs a gun? A good gun. Stick up man. <laughs> 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 he's seen a good guy that's down his luck and just needs a gun, right? What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it though at some point Tom, uh, Tom says well, well can I take it back and sell it and get some of our money back and he says don't be so mercenary <laughs> <laughs> yeah because Tom doesn't need money or uh, Tom, Joe doesn't need money he just wants to be nice to somebody
0: yeah uh, It's um, you know you were saying how you didn't pick up on all, some of the stuff the first time you watched it or you didn't get it or whatever. And you, you, jo- you enjoyed some moments more the second time you watched it. And I felt the same way. The first time I watched it, I'm kind of like, huh, all right. Uh, even I watched it all the way through. And I'm like, eh, okay, that was interesting. Yeah. I actually got a lot more out of it the second time and found myself, I guess, knowing what I was going into, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it a lot more the second time. And I actually just really got a, I, I found a lot of the things a lot funnier that I'm, I kind of sat there and thinking, why didn't I think this was funny the first time? <laughs>
2: well, I
1: think what it was, and I actually just kind of thought of this, I think what it was was the first time you're going through it, you're trying to figure out what's happening. And the second time you're going through it, you're able to really study and enjoy the individual character's reactions. You already know what's going to happen, so you're able to really see how they respond to what happens. The first time, you're kind of like, well, that was weird. But the second time, you're like, oh, that's so funny how he reacted to that. So I think it's just that really the charm of this is in knowing the story already and appreciating how these different characters, like I said, each one of their lives dramatically changes with the exception of just two people, you know, and and knowing that's going to happen and then seeing how the characters change and evolve through it or seeing them really appreciate it when that moment happens, I think is much more enjoyable than just sitting there trying to figure out what the plot is.
0: Okay. Well, maybe, and maybe if you're listening to this podcast and not watch this film, maybe this will help. <laughs> maybe you'll be able to get a lot of the humor and enjoy the film knowing going into it a little bit more than either one of us did the first time. We watched
1: it. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I, again, I think it's a character study. It's not as much a story as it is a, more of a character study and some little deep moments. You know, and just facts about life. I love it. I think for me, the thing that wraps it up or that explains the film the most concisely is at the point where Kit it, has introduced himself and he and Joe have been having this intense conversation. Everybody else is kind of listening, you know, and, and, and Kit says, you know, you're the first person that's ever actually believed me. Mm. And Joe says, I love this. He says, it takes an awful lot of rehearsing for a man to get to be himself. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and that to me is the whole point. And that's what the sign in the window at the beginning says, you know, it says come in and be yourself. And this whole movie is about just these people that just come in trying to figure out life. And then while they're in this bar, they figure out who they are and they get to be who they want to be, you know, or get to figure out who they want to be. And, you know, even Kitty and Tom go through that transformation and the only ones that don't are Joe and Nick, but, it's almost like they've already figured it
0: out. Exactly. Yeah. I think, you know, it it occurred to me while we were talking to you, it was something you said, it it, it clicked in my head that this film would be, if you are someone that likes to go to parks or amusement parks and you have more fun just watching the people around you, (laughs) I I think you'll really enjoy this film because that's what this film is. This is just you sitting in the back booth of some bar watching the people that come into this thing all day long i mean you are effectively you're sort of you're the joe i guess <laughs> yeah
1: it really i think that's what it is it's very much just seeing this it's almost just like a day in the life of joe but it's just getting to experience what he sees every day uh-huh. it, it reminded me so much of harvey and it's specifically of jimmy stewart's character in harvey because he has that same kind of laid-back attitude. He doesn't really need anything. He just enjoys being nice to people. Right. But the people around him are changed by that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how it is with Joe, I think.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Joe pretty much sums it up when someone asked him why he wants all this stuff, why he wants the toys, why he wants the gun, why he wants mm-hmm. the maps, and he just simply says, I like to study things. Yep. And I think that he likes to study people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's just what he does now. Whatever it was he did in his past that earned him this money, uh, whether he was born into it, I mean, none of that even matters. Mm-hmm. He's just this is the life that he has chosen to just spend his life studying other people
1: and other things exactly, just under figuring things out
0: exactly and fa- trying to figure trying to figure things out trying to and I think in a way that uh, that helps him figure himself out. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, all these great lines of philosophy that he can manage to put out, you know, it takes a lot of time, you know, uh, rehearsals for someone to figure out how to be themselves and everything. I mean, that's not something that he came completely by himself. I mean, that no. has to be him, maybe not sitting at Nick's, but sitting somewhere and and learning for, by watching other people. The, like I said, the first time I watched it, I was thinking, poof, this is going to be a hard one to rate. Because there's lots of moments that I liked, but overall, I it was just okay. Uh, the second time I watched it, I found myself enjoying it a lot more. And now, just discussing it, I, I, I yeah. realize you know how much fun you know the movie really can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe this is another one of those films that you need to sit and watch it with another person, mm-hmm. so you and can then both talk kind about of, it. And, and talk about and feed off each other so when something's funny you know everything's funnier when someone else is laughing with you
1: exactly that
0: kind of thing um, so yeah' I'm, I'm still I have to admit I'm still a little uh it, it, it's it's hard for me to come up with a rating that I really feel comfortable with
1: <laughs> for me I'm really comfortable giving this one a solid four um, okay. but bear in mind that I tend to like. Well, I like all kinds of movies, but if there's a bit more substance and a little bit more introspection in it, I'm really I'm very fond of saying that a good movie teaches you about other people. A great movie teaches you about yourself.
0: And I think that I wouldn't That's something Joe would say. It is. <laughs>
1: it, I wouldn't say this is a great film but I think that it definitely has the potential to help you understand, help you see a little bit more, definitely about the characters. And if you're interested in learning from it, you know, it it has the potential to help you learn about yourself. So anyway, all that to say, I think that the characters in it are very well put together. I think they're all excellently um, cast. I don't, I didn't see mm. any oh. gaps there's no character in this that they come in and they just feel really upstaged by everybody else. Um, it, you know, I think, it, I think that o- overall I, that I, I can see why it was a Pulitzer prize winning play and mm-hmm. it feels like a play. It's not, a, it, it wasn't adapted for the screen as much as it was just, taken as a play and put on film. Right. So that, that for me would be the biggest reason to knock it down a star or a, I'm sorry, an opal, my dad, uh, <laughs> you know that and it's not because it's badly done. It's just because it's not necessarily adapted to the medium. So um, I, I enjoyed it. It's not one of those that I would think about coming back and watching over and over, but it's something it's like my dad and I were talking the other day about, you know, how British, Films are kind of, and British TV shows are more relaxing than American ones. Mm-hmm. And this definitely fits in that vein. This is just one of those movies you don't watch it to get excited; you watch it to relax. It's just, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, things by the end of this movie, things are as they should be, you know. And right. and I'm happy with the ending of it, but I don't feel like I require a ton of energy to watch it.
0: Yeah. So I'd I would I say a four. All right. Well, that's a, that's a good of a synopsis or a explanation. <laughs> Maybe
1: a little long-winded, but <laughs> I was trying to be accurate. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I,
0: I will come in. I'm going to give it a solid three. Um, because, just because I don't think it's a film that – it's certainly not a film I would recommend to anybody – I think it's, it's, it's a special film, maybe, and, and for a, a certain – I don't mean that any kind of no,
1: I, I derogatory way. I thought, well, I would recommend it to my dad, but, you know, as I just mentioned, yeah. we kind of share that appreciation for a slower kind of paced story, so that, that fits.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, and the first time I watched it, I'm thinking, well, I'm only going to maybe give this a two, uh, with the caveat that there were some great scenes, but overall the film was you know just okay. Uh, but no, like I said, I enjoyed it so much more the, the, on the second viewing and, and a lot. And I it really enjoyed discussing it. But I feel like giving it a four gives it a little bit too much of a. Too this much is weight. The, the, too much weight and this is for everyone. And I, I don't think it is. And, and a three, certainly, I don't count that as being a bad rating. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is just, it is not for everyone, but is still. If, if you're willing to give it a chance, I, I certainly would recommend. And yeah, I, you know, I
1: think I think that's fair. I would say my my rating is based more on the story and the casting. Yeah. Um, you know, not oh, as well. If I was fun.
0: rating this straight on casting, my God, I think it'd probably be a four or a five, oh, easy, a five, yeah. yeah.
1: But it, but I can definitely see the argument for a three because yeah, it definitely won't appeal to everybody. And in, in fact, I would say this probably would appeal to a much much more narrow, um audience than a lot of other films that we've reviewed. Yeah. That said, I also think it has more depth in it. I think it, you know, I mean, when you're comparing it with mama Dracula, (laughs) for example, (laughs) you know, or, or even, um, 10 little Indians, you know, which is definitely entertaining to watch, but it's also, it's very, it's, you know, it's a broad genre that a lot of people enjoy where this is much more niche. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm I'm comfortable with the three for it honestly, but not because of the craftsmanship, more just because of the of the narrowness of its
0: appeal. I will say this though, I hope that you know having it on our YouTube page, you know maybe maybe if, and talking about it here on the podcast, I hope that there are some people that will go, well, Lydia and Chris do kind of enjoy it, or oh, what's this film that they've put on their page? Maybe I'll watch it. I mean, I I, I do hope that this gets people to watch the film that I yeah. guarantee you they probably never heard well, of. I this, mean, unless okay. you're a James Cagney officiata, <laughs> I mean, you haven't seen this film or even heard of this film.
1: Yeah. Well, let's say it this way. If you like Garden State, you'll probably like this.
0: Cause oh, it, that's the one with – um. oh, it was written Zach Graff
1: and Natalie Portman. Thank you. And it's very slow-paced, and really nothing happens in it. But for some reason, it's a character study about these two or three people. And it's, I mean, it got rave reviews and it's really well done, but it's very slow paced and it's not, I would call it more of a film than a movie. And that's, you know, this is a play rather than a movie. So, you know, it's a Pulitzer Prize winning play. It's not meant to entertain as much as it is meant to make a statement. So, you know, if you if you like that kind of slower paced Garden State kind of movie, I'm trying to think what else I would equate it to, but I think that's the closest I can come up with off, you know, off the cuff. Sure. And I definitely recommend this one for you. All um, right. Well, Austin movies, maybe <laughs> 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 anything where there is it's more of a character study than it is, you know, a, a dramatic or fast piece. Well,
0: I think that is probably going to do it. Uh, I thank everyone for listening. Please continue to download orphan entertainment. If uh, you uh, do so through iTunes stop by and give us a rating and a review that would be greatly appreciated and as i said earlier you are always welcome over our facebook group or by sending us an email uh, just thank you very much and lydia thank you again i mean honestly as much as i enjoyed the film the second time i again it was a film that i enjoyed discussing more <laughs> than even than watching
1: <laughs> I, yeah i can definitely see that and it is i i always enjoy talking about films with you
0: yeah, it is a it's a lot of fun discussing with you because you you often come in with at, at angles that I I don't see and you know <laughs> it it's so much fun. I almost feel almost like I'm the, I'm a wishy-washy one because you say stuff and I'm thinking, "Yep, I was wrong." Okay.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I'm a little more experienced in expressing myself. I'm a girl.
0: Sure. Yeah, there you go. That's right. <laughs> you use three times more words every day than I do. I do. So.
1: I've I've heard that statistic as well. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, thank you again, everyone. And we will catch you next month with another fun, hopefully, another fun film or radio or whatever (laughs) we decide to do. Until then, bye, everyone.
1: Bye.